the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We couldn't believe something we saw at the Grammys last night. And then another example of how quickly untruths travel in the age of the Internet. You're listening to The Common Good. Monday, friends. Welcome to the Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us. Aubrey, on a Monday that is a little warm outside. A little sunny too, Brian. I kind mean, of exciting. I mean, it feels like every day that is not below, uh, you know, freezing is is a day to celebrate for yes. us. So yes, uh, but it is good to have everybody with us. Aubrey, you were in Colorado for the weekend. We're going to talk about yes. the the nuts and bolts of this later. But why were you gone? And uh, are you glad to be back? Yeah, Kevin and I were. At, no, I'm not glad to be back at all. I was in Colorado, Brian. No, Kevin and I were on a pastoral marriage retreat. It was just the two of us and a mentor couple who does this for a living. I will talk to you more about it later, but it was wonderful. The week started out very cold, but then soon it was sunny and like in the 50s and it felt pretty good to be out in the beauty. And you both came home and still married. Yes. Good to go. Yes. Still married, refreshed in our marriage. Good to go. It was very, very fun. Okay. Lots of fun. Glad that you were able to do that. The rest of us just sat here in the uh, Illinois winter this past weekend. I'm I'm sorry, but not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're glad that you're with us. If you want to catch up with everything we're doing, you can find us online at 1160hope.com. You can also get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Just subscribe, rate, review, and you can find us on the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common Good Talk. All right, Aubrey, you and I don't normally draw, dive headlong into the culture wars, especially yeah. like um, around movies and music right. and all of this stuff. Right. Usually we don't find ourselves agreeing with some of those culture warriors out there, and we try on the Common Good to be like, Hey, we know that like the the culture is going one direction. The church we we tend to take some. So I'm going to give you a little bit of what might be a surprising take okay. to kick off our show. Okay. Last night uh, was a show known as the Grammys. Did you catch any of the Grammys? You know, I I the Grammys are like Aubrey Sampson brand, and I didn't. <laughs> <It's the catnip. laughs> yeah, I, no, we had a church meeting, and it was just a busy day, kind of catching up on being gone, and so I didn't even know they were on. Okay, I have some regrets about this because there are some controversial things that happen, and church, I wanted to be in the know. A church meeting? Are you guys still employed? Is this uh, everything good? Usually church meetings can come with some uh, some doom. Kevin always goes, it wasn't a meeting. It's not a business meeting. A meeting and a meal. It's like our all church, our all family meeting, and we have a big meal after. It's really fun, actually. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Uh, So the Grammys were last night, and uh, Sam Smith and Kim Petras. So uh, she is, I think they won for their song Unholy. I believe she's the first transgender winner of a Grammy. she is. Uh, But here's what happened. 
they like as often happens in the Grammys, the people that who are up they were the biggest singers. They also perform. Yeah. Right. And so uh, Kim Petras and Sam Smith performed. And if you've seen some of their performances lately, they've really been pushing the envelope. Okay. So th- how else to put this? People should look this up and see the pictures. They did essentially their song Unholy was essentially uh, Satan worship. Yeah, like he's dressed, he's got like the horns of Satan on a hat and it's all red. She's and in a these, cage. Like, there's these like, I guess there's supposed to be demons around them. There's fire. It's definitely, you know, hardcore rock and roll. But right it feels here. like they were trying to make a point and yeah. it, it feels, it is impossible to watch that performance and go, this is not some sort of if not an homage, and at least pointing towards yeah. satanic worship. Y- yes, and of course the title of the song is Unholy, so, so that's what they were going for. So uh, very uh, certain culture wars that you would expect to have tweeted about this, tweeted about this last night, yeah. Ted Cruz and others last night. Aubrey, I think it went too far. Tell me, tell me. I, my opinion is that this was... The, the performance the went performance. too far. The yeah. performance went too far. Now, if you click yeah. on these tweets... Uh, of people going against it, you're going to realize that the the view that I'm taking here is the minority view. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, afraid of free speech. Oh, clutching your pearls. Oh, all of this stuff and just mocking. But here's the deal. I think there are times for us to go, you know what? Culture's going in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, it it doesn't, you know, we can't expect culture to be like the Dove Awards or something, Grammys. <laughs> no, you all can't. All of this stuff. But this did feel like something that we as Christians should go, no, that's too much, and I can't be a part of this. Like, I can't watch this. I can't let my kids watch this. I'm very curious about this because, you know, Louis Giglio and Shelly Giglio and a lot of, uh, I think, the passion folks were mm-hmm. there because they were up for some Grammy. Really? I, I, I haven't done enough research, but I'm dying to know what they thought. I'll be honest. I've only watched clips of this. More offensive to me than any of it was the women in the cages and the women in these just obscenely objectifying outfits. I just think a woman in a cage is a reality for a lot of women around the world. Mm. We're partnering with our friends at SOS International in March. They actually rescue young girls from cages Mm -hmm. around the world. And so to do this for entertainment and put them in these like very objectifying outfits trans women or not it's objectifying it's uh dehumanizing i was more offended by that i was more offended by the satan worship the the satan worship (laughs) certainly is offensive don't get me wrong but i my i react more to the women in cages if that makes sense so what do we do as christians because you and i again we try not to be the people who are like turn this off boycott this uh movie don't do this but there does come a point where we have to say enough is like too much. That's too much for that went too far. And it's too much for me. I wouldn't tell, you know, whoever out there you can't watch like, mm-hmm. but I might tell people that I'm in relate, you know, in community with in my church to go, I don't think you should be watching this stuff Supporting or you should do it, this. sharing it, what have you. And and that's never necessarily been how I was. You know, I'm not gonna be like the pastor in Footloose or something. <laughs> Like, what is, how do we process that? Because this one, when I saw it and I was like, oh, Ted Cruz is going at it again. Oh, Mark Driscoll's tweeting about this. And then I clicked on it. I was like, 
oh, I think I kind of agree with them yeah. on this one. So how do we know? Like, how do we even begin to process as Christians? If you hadn't had a meeting last night, you would have watched the Grammys. You would have right, loved it. I would it. have. And I would I, have. I think I would have been, you know, sometimes these things come up and like, I don't know. And I kind of go, oh, I don't like that. That's too far. And maybe I'll turn that section off or turn the volume down. I'm not going to, like, give up on the Grammy sure, forever. Sure, sure, sure. You know, that's just, again, not my motif. I'm not going to tweet about this. I'm not going to necessarily do anything. But I think it's worth having discernment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's worth knowing, hey, this is this is crossing a line that I am not comfortable with as a person of faith. I don't want my kids watching. I'm not comfortable with this for the various reasons, the depictions of hell, the depictions Mm -hmm. of Satan worship, the depiction of women. And so we're just not going to consume it. And like, you don't have to feel bad about that. I actually think there is a place where the gospel draws, uh, makes bridges and draws boundaries. Mm, And it is okay to have those boundaries. And, you don't have to be up in arms necessarily about it, but you can just make the boundaries for yourself, for your family, your community, if you're a leader and um, consume something else. You Mm. know what I mean? And not be embarrassed that you're doing that. I also think the other side to be like, this is just free speech. Let people do whatever they want. Well, that's not really a meaningful response either. Yeah. Yeah. Grammy host Trevor Noah tried to make light of the expected backlash by pretending to be on the phone with his mother after the performance saying, no, mom, it wasn't the actual devil. Yeah, you did warn me about Hollywood. (laughs) For me, again, I'm not a big uh, boycott this, stay away from all this or whatever. Because I, you know what you're getting into when it comes to music, to movies, or whatever. But, man, when it comes to Satanism... It's a little too... It's getting a little too... And, and I, I almost want to make jokes about it, but I do want to say this. Yeah. The Bible's really clear about that there is an enemy. The Bible's yeah, really clear right. about what's going on in the world around us. You're right. And to celebrate it and glorify it and, and act use like it's it... it's no big deal. Or... Yeah. To, uh, yes, no big deal, but also last night felt like a glorification of. Oh, I see. And I think yeah. we as Christians need to go. I, 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 I can't be okay yeah. with that. Yeah, like I just yeah. can't be okay with that, and then be numb to it. Where I go, ah, whatever. It's like, Hollywood. It's not, I, I think there's we get numb. It's like this slow drip I do. of totally, totally whatever it is, and we start to uh, make excuses for mm-hmm. things. And then you're hit with this thing last night. And I, I was uncomfortable when I saw yeah. it. I didn't expect to be. Yeah. I expected to be like, all right, Ted Cruz doing his Ted Cruz right. stuff again Going or whatever. over the top. No, I think if I were watching the Grammys last night, which I wasn't, uh, I probably would have turned it off at that yeah. point. I would have been like, nope, Too this isn't for, for me. me. Uh, it's okay. So uh, I wonder if others feel the same way. You could, ask, you could tell us at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Common Good Talk. I'm also at the age now where I feel like the Grammys... It should just be a show glorifying grandmas. <laughs> like the best grandma of the year. You want a Grammy. You know what does make me feel old, though? I'll watch the Grammys and I'll be like, I don't know this person. I don't know that person. And I none of them are wearing person. clothes. <laughs> am I that out of touch that I don't know? And I am. So I have to, mm-hmm. the Grammys educate me in a lot of ways. Uh, apparently so. One. Apparently so. Well, coming up next, I want to share a story that was going around the internet this weekend that that shows you how quickly untruths can travel uh, in the age of the internet before anybody goes, "Oh wait, that's not what that story was about." Wow! It okay. happened again this weekend. 
And I want to talk about it and talk about why the church must do better than what this person did. You're listening to The Common Good. AIM 1160, hope for your life. All right, Aubrey, I have a, uh, before we get into a more serious story. Yes. You ready for a joke? <gasps> I was hoping you had a joke for me, I'm Brian. I'm going to tell you some jokes today. Okay. Because it's a Monday. We're People spreading need jokes. them out or like? I'm a, uh, no, I'm just going to give you one okay. right now. Okay. I, if you listen to this show, you know I'm a 45-year-old dad, so I'm in full dad joke time of life. Yes. Uh, my kids roll their eyes at me and it, it just encourages me to do it more. Yes. And then I come and tell them to you, and you tend to laugh. I always laugh. I uh, always think they're funny. This next one, this one I'm going to share with you, because I, la- I it's more of a gig. This one's more like, oh, that's okay, good. Okay, okay. More like this, okay. okay. I'm ready did, for it. Aubrey, did you know that not everyone thinks Cleopatra is beautiful? But that's how Julius Caesar. <laughs> yes? <laughs> that's good. That's like a... That's how Julius oh, Caesar. I love one. it. I like okay. it. I like that it. That's cute. good. All right, one for you, one you on the day. You underplayed that. I thought that was pretty good. Well, people don't know that I get you simply by starting every joke with Aubrey. It's true. I'm already laughing. <laughs> you start laughing and I go, good. That's how I got it. It's so true. It's so true. I'm an easy target. Yes, you are. Yeah. That's why I tell these jokes. So uh, anyway, Aubrey, here we go. Uh, one of the lawyers for President Trump named Jenna Ellis over the weekend, she sent out a tweet that was a picture from a bathroom at okay. LAX, at Los Angeles Airport. Wow, what a what a thing to tweet. It was. And all it says is this. Breaking. Like as in breaking news. Yes. LAX is installing urinals in the women's in the women's bathrooms. And so what she did was she actually it wasn't just a picture, she shot a video. Oh. And in it, uh, what she's telling you is this is a women's bathroom. And look, they're installing urinals, men's urinals in here. The implication is right. We're about to go crazy with the bathrooms yeah. at LAX. Yeah. It's all you know, liberal woke, whatever. And people went nuts. I bet they went nuts. So this video was seen over three million times. Whoa! Was viewed over three million times. Uh, and then a little thing came out. What? That what she said, and whether she knew it or not, wasn't true. But in reality, there was construction going on at LAX, at the airports, at some of the bathrooms. Come on. And uh, because it was under construction, it was actually a men's room that had been temporarily set up to be a women's room. And so they covered up the urinals. Stop it. So when she took the video, she's like, look, they're setting up urinals. In reality, they had covered up the urinals because they had moved this to be a woman's room. And so she gave what I would call Mm. a reluctant apology. Mm. I can't verify if this is true or not. So I'm sorry. Like that kind of not I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But by the time she said this is wrong mm-hmm. or it's not true, this video had been viewed over three million times, had been tweeted and retweeted and oh. retweeted tweeted again. Uh, and we all know what happens is that. Uh, so it had been, let's see, retweeted three thousand eight hundred and sixty times and liked twenty one thousand times Whoa. and viewed two point nine million times Whoa. at that point it has been viewed more times now but here's the deal we all know the old saying right like the truth uh a, a lie will travel around the world before the truth ever starts type of deal wow this is an example of it and this is everything 
Not everything that's wrong. This is something that has to change. Like, this is crazy. There's also something here. Like, I feel like there's something very preachable here. Like, you find what you're looking for. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, she had her mind set on this woke liberal agenda, trans agenda, blah, 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 blah. So here's what this is without doing the research and getting another perspective on it. Yep. And and. Uh, that's not the main issue, but that is certainly, certainly something for us to be mindful of when we are bent on our perspectives, right? That the, we might even miss the truth that's right in front of us. There's a couple reasons that this is uh, problematic. Uh, one of the reasons is this, because there are things to be worried about. Sure. Like, there are things to be worried about in this conversation about bathrooms and men and women and schools. And there are debates to be had. There are things to be concerned about. But when you make something up about this big thing that's going on, now all of a sudden you've popped the balloon of the other stuff that needs to be talked Mm. about. Because you're going, oh, you overblew that one. You got that one wrong. So maybe you're getting this one wrong. And so that's one problem. Uh, And two, when people who have big platforms are telling untruths that then just get believed and spread around, you start to go, I'm not sure I could believe anything anybody says. I'm not sure I could believe anything. And all of a sudden, truth begins to not matter. Yeah, I I do feel like this is sort of a a case study, right, for how untruth gets spread across the Internet, how quickly it happens, and the importance of doing your due diligence. Like, don't, just because an influential person posts it, doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean you need to reshare it, retweet it, whatever. Like for all of us, maybe to move a little bit slower mm-hmm. with information passing is maybe the word for for this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Here's also why this you brought up off air. You and I were discussing this to get ready for it. Uh, the whole idea of that viral story about kitty litter yes, being put in bathrooms right, and there's, at schools and it's just not happening. But I still talk to people who still believe that that's happening. And you're like, this takes us away from the conversations that need to happen. And you're just believing something that's not true. And I guess this is where I'd want to take this as Christians. Right. Who claim to be people of the truth. Right. We should be held to a higher standard about believing things, sharing things, promoting things, using stuff for an agenda that we know isn't true, is partially true. We've got to be even more vigilant nowadays as Christians to Mm -hmm. be people of the truth, because if you're spreading things that are not true, what happens when you then go tell your neighbor, hey, I know I peddle in a lot of untruth, but let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah, I know I peddle in propaganda, but let me tell you about my best friend, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think you're right, Brian. It, uh, And this is maybe what I mean by it's time for us to slow down, but really, really be thoughtful. And I'm saying this to myself, too. Really be thoughtful about what we believe, what we soak in, the things we're assuming are like proof texts for our points of view and our agendas and be really, really mindful about yeah. sharing them and spreading them. Yeah. And this is a big problem. People tend to see things still on the Internet and go, well, that must be true. Right. Well, I shouldn't say that. People see things that they want to believe that back up their opinions already and yeah. say that that must be true. And that's what this tweet did people are going see they're tearing out bathrooms now we're not gonna have men's rooms and women's rooms. yeah it's not true right it's just not true 
And now you've gotten away from the debates that need to happen. Actual conversation that needs to happen. And man, if I were not a believer, if I were not a Christian, and I saw some of the stuff that some Christian friends of mine retweet or put Mm. on Facebook, honestly, it would cause me to go, well, then if you believe that to be true, then why should... I have any faith that you're right about that other thing mm-hmm. called Jesus. I'd be wow. like, you're, you're buying into stuff all over the yeah. place. Clearly you just bought into the crazy one about the son of God. And we want to be like, no, we value good, truth Brian. and, uh, and we got to hold on to it. So anyway, that's good. LAX. Wow. Not replace, not putting urinals in the women's room. I'll uh, be in California soon. So I'll check it out. I'll give, yeah. I'll give us some firsthand, uh, videos myself and see what happens maybe now they're going to do it because they're like fine <laughs> fine it's out there it. we'll do it <laughs> Aubrey, recently there was uh, out of colorado another um appeals court spoke into that whole thing about the the guy baking cakes and is it free speech is uh, it not yes i want to read to you what they decided and then we're going to talk about that. The, the wedding cakes in Colorado. We're going to get back into them next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Aubrey, the um, Jack Phillips and the Masterpiece um, baker, Bakery, where he works, he's the guy who makes cakes that has been in the Supreme Court because uh, you might remember he won a partial U.S. Supreme Court victory after refusing to make a gay couple's wedding cake. Uh, but he lost an appeal last week in his latest legal fight involving his rejection of a request for a birthday cake celebrating a gender transition. Uh, so the Colorado Court of Appeals said that this is not a form of free speech. Uh, now, they didn't say whether he's going to have to do it or not okay. or what the repercussions are. But it reignites some of the conversations around him. This guy's been in the news for a lot. And there's is this so like m- the same cake guy we've it been is. talking about forever? It okay. Is. And there's so many questions that come up. Let me take um let me take I'm gonna give you all the questions that arise. Okay, this for is me helpful. Yeah. For, I want to hear all the questions. For all of this cake baking questions. Yes. Okay. Uh one. I don't understand why people keep... I do understand, but it seems weird that people keep asking them to make cakes. I think they're just <laughs> trying to get in the news or trying to be able to sue because it goes on later on here. Because they have to here. know like, his deal, right? Well, it goes on later to say that the day he won his partial victory or whatever uh-huh. in the Supreme Court, this person asked him to make this cake that turned out to be for a gender transition. Interesting. So making a point. Yes. Okay. So there's that. I think this guy should be able to do what he wants. But here's my question. Let's ask the more difficult question. Yeah. Should he be taking the stand? I know. So not all. So I would answer if if you asked me, should he be allowed to take this stand? Mm. I would tell you yes. Okay. Gotcha. But the more difficult question is should, should he, he take, take this stand? stand? What is the result of this stand that he's taking? So I have to be honest with you. I have never liked his stance. Okay. I have always something in, and this is going to sound very subjective, but something in my spirit has always said, this is not helpful to our gospel witness. This is. Unpack that. It feels like it's me against you. It feels like it's holier than thou. It feels like the wrong way to stand up for beliefs. Um, 
I don't I I don't think you baking these cakes uh means you're necessarily celebrating that person's event, but I do think making a big deal about not baking the cake draws some lines in the sand that are not helpful for friendship and relationship. And I also wonder then who he makes the cakes for. Are they sinless? Are Mm. they perfect? Are they above board, whatever? And how does he choose? Like, and I'm, I'm, I recognize that a lot of Christians out there will disagree with me Mm -hmm. and I am willing to be disagreed with. So please know I hold this lightly and don't often think about cake making in general. (laughs) I, it, since I first heard this story, it has always bothered me as a super weird, unhelpful line in the sand for gospel bridges and relationships. So you would take this differently, I would guess, then you're going to view differently somebody making a wedding cake versus, say, a pastor performing the wedding. Help people understand the difference am, in your mind. Here. I am going to make that difference. And part of this is I'm seeing it like an evangelist. Like this to me feels like an like an opportunity to serve and build relationships and be a good neighbor as a pastor. I don't think, I think performing a wedding says theologically God is okay with that. Mm. I think that's very different than even a band playing at a wedding, attending a wedding. Okay, There's something about being the one who represents God saying, uh, you know, in God's name, we're going to marry you. That to me is different than the cake baking conversation. Again, I know people will disagree yeah, with me. Yeah. It's just, it's never sat right with me, this stance. Uh, so if you were talking to him, you would say, make the cake. Yeah. Because I, I tend to agree with you, so I'm not putting you on the yeah, spot Yeah, no, here. put me on the spot. It's fine. I don't mind. But you would say... He says, Aubrey, let's pretend that he goes to your church and he Mm -hmm. sits down with you and Kevin and he says, listen, I'm not trying to be a celebrity here. Mm -hmm. I just have um, deep convictional problems with gay marriage, with gender transitions. And I feel like I am being part of the celebration. Yeah. Even with something as simple as making the cake. I'm not trying to judge judge them per se, or maybe he is. well, how would you how would you unpack that for him about like no but here's kind of why I think you should consider still doing it and why that's not necessarily saying and therefore I agree with what's happening here. Yeah, so this does get complicated because I don't think I would ever counsel someone to go against their conscience, mm-hmm. especially before the Lord. So I would be the first to be like, Hey, if your conscience is saying don't do this, but what if you considered what if there's another way to look at it? What if this is an opportunity to build a relationship? You're a person of faith. You're a man of God. You love Jesus. What if this is a way to say to your non-Christian neighbor, hey, Jesus loves you. Mm. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not in, I'm not going to like be at the pride parade for you, but here's something I can do to be a good Mm. neighbor and show you that I'm a Christian who loves Jesus and Jesus loves you and welcomes you in. And then you get down the line and you have hard conversations about sin and repentance and healing and transformation. I just don't know that you ever start there. But again, I'm coming at this from an evangelist point of view 
which is to build, make some relational connection. Mm. This just cuts off relational yep. connection. That said, maybe somebody's really like convicted, like, oh, wow, this guy won't make a cake. That makes me think, mm-hmm. do I need to go to God about my lifestyle? I don't know. I mean, God may be working in this in a way I can't see. I just tend not to feel great about this move. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Brian, though? You're putting me on the spot. Tell I me am what you putting think. You on the spot. Uh, I think I agree with you probably a little less strongly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because I do understand if this guy's going, listen, this is my livelihood. I want to, like, this is just a line in the sand for me that I'm not willing to go to. They are welcome to go to any other baker. Like, I get that. I would tend to also, though, say, like, this feels like uh, not the hill necessarily to die on. You're not, like you said, officiating the wedding or something. So I think I would tell him... um, but it is hard, right? Like it is hard to sit down with someone and be like, "It's hard. it is going." I might not feel and strongly there are as other you do, cake but places like go to a different cake store. I mean, I you know, it, it's complicated. I do think one of the bothersome things is that this stays in the news. Yeah, it has now been, and that's not just his fault. That's the people who keep asking him to make these right, cakes, right? But it just keeps being in the news, and we as Christians need to be like, why won't you make cakes for people? Yeah, oh, like we're still know. having this conversation, should we or shouldn't we make the cake? Right, right. And so it, it is hard, though, because yeah. the guy's got convictions about it, but at the same time, you want to be, if it were me and yeah. I own the cake shop, yeah, I'd make the cake. Yeah. And I would probably try to build bridges and have the yeah. conversation with the people I would too. as to... Um, I would probably just try to be honest about why I disagree with their lifestyle while being willing to bake a cake. I like I would probably talk invite them to my church, like bake the cake. I'll make you a cake. Come to my church. Like, I think that's what I'd probably do. Come pick it up at my church <laughs> at 10 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> we got it. It all that, circles we it back. Out. We figured it out. <laughs> it all circles back. Coming up next, Aubrey, how important is character in the theologians that we read? I want to tell you a story that I didn't even know before about a very, very famous theologian that we probably read in grad school a lot. Oh, wow. Okay. Going to do that next year on The Common Good. AIM 1160, hope for your life. Can I encourage people, Aubrey, to stay with us later on in the show at about 5.30, 5.35 or so? Uh, we're going to bring back a uh, a Grinds mm. My Gear segment, and I've got one for them. I am excited to hear your and Grinds My Gears. Too, I have a good one, too. Yeah. But uh, I, this might be... This is going to be one of the, I think, one of the one of the trademark ones for us, the one that I have this week. Um, okay, I'm looking forward to it because when we get a trademark one, that tends to like last and be sort of culture making. So I'm yes. excited about it. Like dogs and strollers. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So stay with us. That's going to be later on today. We're going to do Grinds My Gears. But first, Aubrey, speaking of Grinds My Gears. Yes. Uh, here's the question, and then I'm going to tell you the story. Okay. Okay. So think about this question, and uh, while I tell you the story, how important is character in the theologians that we read? Hmm. Okay? So this isn't even necessarily, we can expand this to pastors that we listen to, but pastors are a little different in this, but theologians who are, you know, scholars writing about the Bible, there we go. So think about that as I tell you the story of Karl Barth. Oh! 
Okay. Most theologians and historians coming from the Gospel Coalition. Most theologians and historians have engaged with Bart's work without having to address the question of his relationship with his assistant, Charlotte von Kirschbaum, for the simple reason that no one could confirm whether their relationship was anything more than professional. But with the recent discovery of Bart's private correspondence with Kirschbaum, the ongoing romantic affair has become incontrovertible. Bart not only pursued a long-term romantic courtship with Kirschbaum, but also invited her to live with him and his family. Ah. This put incredible strain on his relationship with his wife, Nellie, who wasn't oblivious. In fact, her depression was so severe that at one point she put an ultimatum to Bart. Either Kirschbaum moves out of the house or Nellie would do the unthinkable and divorce him. Bart, ever committed to rational and well-thought-out actions, responded by calling a meeting between himself, his wife, and his mistress. Pardon? To talk the matter over. The result was that Nellie received a no to her ultimatum, and she was effectively forced to remain living with her adulterous husband and his mistress. So you have taken you have taken more um, grad school classes than I have. But undergrad (laughs) grad work, Carl Bart is. Yes. A regular theologian that we read. Swiss theologian, Karl Barth, deeply influential, and he was influential in other theologians' lives. So we, he was very read at Wheaton. We read him a lot at Wheaton. And I have, uh, I like a lot of Karl Barth's theology when it comes to the humanity of Jesus. And Mm -hmm. it's, I mean... So this, I have not heard this, and it's uh, a little bit of cognitive dissonance in my mind right now. Did not know this about his whole little secret life. Let me read further. Bart would even go so far as to justify his sin theologically. Mm. At one point, he says to his mistress, it cannot just be the devil's work. It must have some meaning and a right to live that we know I will only talk about me, that I love you and do not see any chance to stop this. According to Bart, the pious option was to remain in the tension between the revealed commands of God's word and the assumed ordination of God in his love for Kirschbaum. Mm. It couldn't possibly be that God had intended for him to deny his affections for a woman who wasn't his wife, even though this is what scripture clearly teaches. Here's the question. Dang. We talk a lot about deplatforming. Yeah. We talk a lot about canceling. Yep. We talk a lot about wanting character in our pastors Ah, and our leaders. What do we do with Karl Barth's work now that we know this? To ask it another way, Mm -hmm. how do we do we deplatform someone who's Mm -hmm. dead? And who's not shepherding, is not a pastor, but is influential. But we see this sort of blatant hypocrisy and Mm. sin in his life. Mm. You know, on the one hand, you're going, no one's perfect. On the other hand, you're going, dang, that is that is some serious stuff right there. Pretty severe. I and and, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking my own my own reaction. If I were to hear that, I don't want to give a name, but some pastor that we really like and respect. Mm -hmm. If I were to find this out about him uh, or her, I would be brokenhearted and I would be like, I'm done. I can't trust Mm. you. I can't learn from you. And I know there's been some people who have wrestled with this with Martin Luther King Jr., that he Mm -hmm. was a known adulterer. Mm -hmm. And so do our heroes need to be perfect? The hard part is a theologian with this much 
influence, I would want his faithfulness to back up his theology. And that's not perfection, but that is faithfulness is blatantly sinful and idolatrous. Yeah, yeah. You bring up an interesting one. The Martin Luther King Jr. one is a really uncomfortable one. Very uncomfortable. To have to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you read stuff about other theologians and pastor. pastors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gospel Coalition wants to say this. They say, refuse to settle for ungodliness. They said, I can think of at least three immediate implications for all of us in light of this meditation on piety and theology. Yeah, let's one, hear. Don't settle for impious theologians. Mm. Uh, So that's one. Though we dare not to require perfection from our theologians, we must insist upon ever increasing purity of heart. Yeah. They say. So just because they have this title doctor doesn't necessarily make everything else good. So number two, don't settle for impious pastors. Mm. Pastors are the preeminent shepherd teachers tasked to care for the flock. If these principles and standards apply to anyone, they surely must apply to pastors. So when you're deciding on churches, we always say on the show, character is the most important thing. Absolutely. And then they turn it on ourselves. Mm. Don't settle for impiety in your own life. Wow. And talking about, hey, it's easy to point, but but be really careful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to do with this because if you went to Wheaton right now or one, that's where we went, but you mm-hmm. go to any Christian school, you go to any seminary, you're going to read Carl Bart. Mm-hmm. But this does change how I see these guys. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with. I this. mean, I think I quoted Carl Bart in my last book. Like he's he's an influential theologian. This oh, is, yes. This is hard to swallow. Like I'm like right now, my ch- jaw is on the table. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? <laughs> that's that's the answer to this question are you kidding me i didn't know that story either but it wow. reminds us again i want to say not everyone who's not perfect should be canceled right like that's not what we're saying right at the same time we've seen way 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 too many pastors where people turn a blind eye to what they have been doing in their own lives yep. in the name of charisma yep. in the name of the fruit that they're bearing. Yeah. It's the same for doctors it who is. are writing versus preaching. Is. It's the same thing. It absolutely is. And it's a, it's, it's it is complicated though. He's dead. It's yeah, like, it's, he's a, dead. it's done. But he obviously treated his wife like garbage. Oh like this gosh. is such a misuse of, of women. It's a, it's a misunderstanding a of what it means to be married. Like, uh, Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. So glad you're with us on this Monday evening. If you've missed any of today's show, we always love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast. We also love to have you engage with us on social media. We are at Common Good Talk on Instagram. Brian, it's Monday and we get to do one of our favorite things. And that is basically just vent, vent. about petty things. We like to give this a name. Tell the people what it's called we when call we it, do this. Yes, we call it grinds my gears because it's not like to keep the car imagery going. It's not some cataclysmic event where your engine is gone or your transmission. These are just little things that. Yes. That get, yeah, they just but they build up and they build up and they build up. So. We always say we understand that there's inflation. We understand that there are major issues in our country. That's not what we're doing here. What we're doing here is what are those little things like in your marriage you need to do? Sometimes you have big things to talk about marriage, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's like, hey, put your clothes away. Or my wife will say, hey, make the bed or whatever that I know 
if I don't do those things for enough time, it's going to cause bigger issues mm-hmm. than if I just did them. So that's what grinds my gears is little things we need to little get off our chest. Little things we're going to have to and You and, and I, I both bo- have some stuff. Well, we both said that we've got, like, yeah. we're ready. Yeah. For, I had something happen to me this weekend where I then pulled out my phone and wrote, grinds my gears. <laughs> okay. So I'm, do you want to start? I'm going to let you choose. Sure. Okay. I'll go first. You go first. So uh, recently, because of a deal they were running, uh, we we were uh, there's an export in um, Downers Grove, right? A workout place. Yes. And my son, who now is a football player, and this is, hey, can I get an So we got him a membership. But then there was, they were running a really good deal this past week on the cheap membership. So we canceled his and got one for the whole family. Nice. And so Saturday, I went to export with my son. Okay. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, 45 years old, I need to start doing some things. Yeah. So my back hurts less yeah. and all this kind good of stuff. For you. I'm not trying to get some great beach body. I'm trying to just not hurt. <laughs> not want to really die. What yeah. This is happening right now. So, one of the things that they have at Export is a pool and a hot tub. So, I told Jackson, hey, he goes off and lifts and does his stuff. I do my thing, and I'm like, hey, at about this time, I'm going to go to the hot tub. He's like, oh, I'll come too. We brought stuff. It's like, all right, I'm going to work out, and then I know the hot tub is coming. Yeah, that's like your reward. Right. So, uh, I finish working out. I get into the swimsuit. I go in. I beat him, so he's still working out. So, I go into the hot tub. It's a pretty good-sized hot tub, but it's not... It's not like the one that somebody has on their deck where it's like a circle. Like yeah. It's a little big, but yeah. not, not terribly big. And there's only certain spots where the jets are or whatever else. I get in there, and there are two other people in this hot tub. Okay. Uh, they are clearly, I would say they're low to mid-20s. Okay. And uh, clearly in a relationship. Oh, no. So I am in this hot tub. There is only three of us in this hot tub. <laughs> and sh- the entire time we're in there... Until they ended up leaving, she sat on his lap <laughs> in a public hot tub. No, 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 And I no. couldn't look at them. No, you could definitely couldn't, couldn't look at them. I had nope. to look everywhere yes, but yes. at them. Right. They are, you know, she's in a bikini and he's just in a swimsuit. <laughs> and I'm like... There's all this room in the hot tub. You should have been like, hi, I'm Pastor Brian Brom. I was just like, I was trying in my mind to go, like, is the, was there ever a stage in my relationship with my wife, dating, engaged, newlyweds, where in a public hot tub with other people, we would have sat never, on. She would have never. sat on my lap. The answer no, to that is never, never. never. So this is not an issue of me being old. Right. This right, is not an issue right, of me having right. been married for twenty three years and forget oh, what it's like back oh, then. Oh. This is an issue of like I don't get it. And they were. Here's the other deal. This is awesome. Not to give too much information, but like she had her arm around him and was like literally on his lap, like not just leaning, yes. like sitting legs across him wow. on his lap. But as they're doing it, they're just having a conversation. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. And you think like you you entering the hot tub would have made changed nothing. Wow. That is hilarious. 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 Thankfully, they got out before my son came. I kind of wanted that to still be going on. My son got there just to be like, dude, I need to talk to somebody about this. (laughs) Yeah. So, hey. I don't care how much you're infatuated with each other. I don't care how much you think you love each other. I don't care if you haven't seen each other, if you just got back from the war. I don't care. In a public hot tub, do not sit on top of each other when other people are in the hot tub. 
Fair? Is that a fair I, thing to say? This is so fair, and like my face hurts from laughing so hard. I'm just picturing you in the. I really wish you would have introduced yourself as Pastor Brian <laughs> and seen what happened. It was like I'm the sitting there just is, looking. I'm just looking away. And you like away. can't necessarily have a phone in a hot tub because the oh. water. So you don't really. Yeah, you're just sort of looking like. Ooh. And the good thing is, like I said, it, it wasn't. Oh, like if Brian. I could just picture, this, oh, it's not Brian. like a circle. So there was. It's not like they were right in front of yeah. me. Yeah, right next to me. They were That's a little good. offset, so I could easily look away from. But at all moments, <laughs> I knew what was going on next to me. And it was just like, I don't know. It seems like okay, like if you're in Mexico, Cancun vacation. Perhaps that's a pr- appropriate, but not, but not like at the gym. Yeah, nope, no, no. Okay, so that's thank a good you. one. Thank you for affirming yeah, me. That one. is, uh, yeah, wow. don't do that, people. Don't be that person. Don't be that couple. I feel like that's a really, that's a good one. Okay, so here's mine. I'm going to I'm gonna gripe about American Airlines. So Ke- Kevin and I talked earlier about the retreat that we went on. We were supposed to get back on Friday evening. Okay. And uh, we get to the Denver International Airport. It's a strange which airport. It's I've been a there. strange airport. And one of the unique things about it is you have to get on a tram to yes. get to all gates. Yes. There is no way to get to gates without the tram. Well, the tram was broken. And oh. so they had stopped all passengers at TSA because TSA is you go through TSA, then through the tram they stopped tsa because there was a backup at the tram they wow. didn't want to let more people so you in. weren't just late we weren't just late okay in fact we weren't late we were there you know an hour and a half before our flight and uh but we were stuck for i don't know how long maybe 30 that to 40 would be minutes my nightmare i hate airports and feeling out of control yes so we get through and our flight is scheduled to leave at 401 p.m we run to our gate and it is 3:51 p.m. so 10 minutes before the gate is closed oh no the plane is pulling away they would not let us on and we were of course not the only passengers that they wouldn't oh, let really? on there's more yeah. people standing there yeah they oh. we were furious and here's the worst part we were like the plane is right there mm-hmm. you left 10 minutes early you knew this was an airport-wide shutdown. Why did you not wait? And they said, you should have thought about that before you showed up to the airport late. And we were like, wait, what? Like, it was kind of the last thing we expected was to sort of be, like, put in our place. And we're like adult travelers. Yeah. We travel yeah. quite a bit. So we were like, well, we weren't late. You know about this tram holdup, right? Like, all these other passengers are here. We're not... And and I started getting emotional, and I was like, look, we have three kids at home. We need to get back to them tonight. My parents are late. And she was like, you should have thought about your three kids before. I mean, she was. We've complained about this particular gate agent to a lot of. I saw your husband's tweet over again. Oh, yeah. I know. He did the thing you complained about before. I was like, oh, Brian's going to have an opinion about that. But um, it was, it made me so mad because they knew this was a Denver International Airport issue, and yet they didn't hold the flight for passengers that were checked in early they left 10 minutes early i mean our luggage was there we were checked in so we had to spend the night thankfully our luggage was at o'hare the next morning Mm -mm, we couldn't get out that day so we had to spend the night in denver were your parents able to change their no they they left early the next morning and my kids were alone for just a few hours and they're old enough it was fine but it was we were zombies we were mad 
Anyway, is there any uh, recourse? Is well, there any? We, they keep saying they apologize, but there's nothing they can do about it because it wasn't really the their old, responsibility. What's the old Seinfeld? <laughs> Put your sorries in a sack. <laughs> That's what I want to say. That's uh, so. Yeah, that oh, grinds that... my. I would years. not do well with that. Yeah. That is that is no good. It was really hard, really, really hard to and be treated that way. did they put you up? No, they definitely didn't put us up. They put us on a plane the next day, so we didn't have to pay for a flight, but that was the extent of what Oh, that one's did. bad. So I got some feelings about American Airlines. Yes. All right, well, that's grinds my gears. Hey, well, the common good will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.